KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Deep fakes, videos that are created to look real but aren't, are becoming a real concern from worries about what could happen on a grand scale if a damaging fake video of a president or head of state goes mainstream to how a deep fake could possibly destroy anyone's reputation. Wanted to learn more about deep fakes, how they are made, and just how far behind the law is to the technology. So caught up with Dr. Robert DeVideo. He is an associate professor of criminology and justice studies at Drexel. University. Fascinating stuff. Give a listen. So let's start. How big a concern is the idea of a deep fake on an internet video, stuff like that? How much should we as a society be worried about these things penetrating on a big scale? I mean, it's a big concern, right? And the the problem is not, is not new with respect to what people are doing, right? Manipulating information, to create some sort of false narrative, whether that's a video, a picture, audio stream, or or text, right? We've seen that being done for a number of years, uh, especially with the advent of the internet and digital communication tools, right? So if I may take a step back a minute and talk about deep fakes and place it into sort of this historical context, though it's a brief history, but there is a hist- history here, right? We refer to deep fakes as a type of synthetic content. And when we talk about content and digital information that we as consumers are, are digesting, again, it's videos, audios, pictures, and text-based based content. Deep fake enters the picture given the availability of current technologies that have, have come out of the research labs to produce the fictitious content. So in the past, we would create synthetic content by of an, of an image, maybe using some sort of, of image editing tool or Photoshop, for example, and you know, splicing a head off of, a, of, a, of an individual, putting it onto a, another picture, a pornographic uh, image or a naked body, for example, right? Audio, the same thing. We might use a tool like Audacity and cut up an audio channel to take what the actor or what the individual said out of context or manipulate or change the order of words to create a fictitious narrative. And the same thing with video. Things like iMovie, for example, can chop up videos to create sort of a fictitious event, right? An event that actually didn't happen. When you take when machine learning and artificial intelligence come onto the scene, that's where the deep fake has has occurred. So deep fakes are a type of synthetic content that use the most advanced technologies, machine learning and artificial intelligence to create this this fictitious narrative. And by the very nature of the advanced technologies, we're creating content, the synthetic content that is very, very difficult to discern from what's real and what's not real. To that point of, are there ways to tell or do you have to be an expert to say, okay, that is obviously synthetic, that's obviously been created, or yes, that's real? There there are methods. There are methods, right? It used to be because of the challenges we had with the older method using Photoshop, using cutting up audio, that unless you were really a professional, 
you weren't going to be able to create convincing materials. So I've seen a number of harassment, cyber harassment, online stalking types of cases that involve manipulated or synthetic content where the person's face was imposed on a, on a pornographic sort of, sort of image and then sent out under many state statutes that would be constitute some sort of harassing harassment violation under criminal under criminal law those things were 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 pretty easy to discern with the naked eye nowadays it's becoming more and more difficult most of the materials or most of the tool sets that are out there automate the process of detection are still in in research labs around uh, the country in university research labs, in special effects houses, uh, that where they had this expertise in animation, right? And they're building on that expertise to, to sort of create a process of detection. Uh, Microsoft has released a tool that, and I, I haven't, I can't speak to it in detail. I just know that they've released a tool that is uh, aimed at detecting deep fakes and it to to combat disinformation. The uh, these tools that are out there and these techniques that are out there are going to give the user a sort of threshold score, right? Uh, you know, a, a a score between you know zero and one hundred to indicate what's the likelihood that this is real. Conversely, the likelihood that this is is is, is synthetic or a, a deep fake content. There are still, you know, the, the, the tools out there, even though we're applying artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, to, uh, to create the synthetic and fake uh, content, there's still some limitations, right? Uh, the tools are very good, don't, don't get me wrong, but, you know, users can look deeply at, at content and they might notice some challenges with the eyes, uh, they might notice uh, some blurry backgrounds and random spots when we're talking about videos or still images. You might see an out-of-sync movement with the audio channel. In and of themselves, those things don't necessarily give us a definitive statement about whether content is real or fake. But those are things that users can look out for in terms of, of visual inspection. You'll see many resources out there talking about the SIFT method and, and coming from the journalism field, you, you might be familiar with that, that sort of method. But that is a method that is really geared at individuals really taking a close look at the sources that they're using. So it's nothing high tech or automated. It's just a process. The acronym SIFT stands for stop, investigate, find, and trace, right? Stop. Take a step back. Don't automatically assume what you're looking at or what you're reading is true, right? Investigate your sources. Use and find trusted sources. Use a consensus methodology to discern whether something is real or fake, right? If multiple sources are out there, if we're talking about videos or images, you know, can you find multiple sources for those, those videos? Maybe a video or an image at, diff, at different angles pointing towards, towards the same, uh, same picture. And most importantly, trace your, your, your sources, right? Are they reliable? Do some background uh, work if there's a question, right? And I think this really points to a larger issue, right? This, this first part of the acronym, the STOP, right? 
we got to be forgiving, right? We can't rush to judgment all the time, knowing that this, this technology is out there. And to the point where it's convincing, right? And it's convincing uh, from the perspective that the average user can do it and do it well. And we see that with the availability of the tools that are out there. Are we looking at something akin to an arms race? The tools to alter the video get better. The tools to tell you that it's fake get better. So the tools to alter it are going to keep getting, you you know what I mean? Like, so that it doesn't eliminate the threat. It just keeps ratcheting up higher and higher. That's exactly it. That's what's going on right now. This is sort of in its infancy, right? With respect to the tools, making it out there. So the average user has access. And that's really where the danger lies. That's where we expand our list of of deviant and criminal activities that individuals can get involved with easily with this technology, right? If you have the money and you have, you know, the talent, you've been able to do this for years, right? You've been able to buy the latest and greatest animation software. You've been able to, to, to get access to the talent that has already, that has the background and the training to use those tools. And those are really where the best deep fakes are going to, that scenario really paints the picture of who's creating the best deep fakes, right? You're now starting to see these tools that were once reserved for research labs making their way into the domain that where the general public has access to them and not only access to them, but the ability to use them with a minimal learning curve. So you have things like uh, the app, it's called uh, Face App, and it's available for iOS and Android. And I'm not advertising or I'm not advocating. I'm just talking here about some of the more popular tools that are out there. But the fact that this, this tool is available for iOS and Android speaks volumes, right? Speaks to the ability of the average person being able to use it. And it's very, very user-friendly. You know, it's not, you know, point and click given it's an, it's, it's an Android and an iOS. So it's, it's, you know, pointing and tapping with, with, with your finger, but it's, it's, it's easy as one, two, three, essentially, right. In, in creating and, and creating this synthetic content. And again, we're talking about fictitious scenarios, scenarios that don't exist, right. I can morph someone's image or create a scenario using someone's face and make them do something they didn't do in the real world. Deepfakes web is a web-based approach. So everything's happening. The processing is happening in, in the cloud. There's a minimal fee for that, that particular uh, service, but it does a pretty good job, right? So the machine learning, the artificial intelligence that's you know creating these, these scenarios, right? Mapping your image to a video scene where you were not present. The artificial intelligence and the machine learning that that's doing that is happening in the cloud behind the scenes. The processing capability is taking place on a server elsewhere. There are Windows and Mac-based tools that are out there. DeepFace Lab is one tool for Windows. FaceSwap is a multi-platform tool or a multi-OS tool. You'll see it for Windows. Apple or, or Mac OS, Linux even, right? And these are just a, f- a few of the, the, the popular solutions out there that are giving the average user, you and I, the, the ability to do it and to do it relatively good 
and to to cause cause some mischief. Maybe mischief isn't the right word. You can certainly get in trouble and violate the law. We saw that recently with that case in Bucks County that involved the harassment, painting the uh, or, or putting uh, some teenage girls in some unflattering situations that were totally fictitious, fictitious and ruining or attempting to ruin their their reputation. I only see downside to this. Is there something I'm missing that an upside away ways this can be used for good? Because my knee jerk is these shouldn't be legal. <laughs> like I, I see nothing but downside. Is there something I'm missing? If you think about it, this is partly an outgrowth of the animation industry, right? We're getting to the point where you know we 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 we've cre- we can create fake people and and have it look really 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 good. That certainly has been a challenge for the pornography, uh, child pornography, or the fight against against child pornography. The technology is getting better and better and better. So, so deep fakes and the technology to to do that really, you know, is 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 akin or closely related to to that field. When you look at the advertising behind these popular apps and services like like FaceApp, it's all fun and games. It's all kicks and giggles, right? To create a a funny moment with your friends that you can then forward on to family members or friends, right? So I don't want to say that there aren't any positive or entertaining uh, applications for these types of tools, but they're certainly, as a criminologist, they raise a red flag to me for a number of areas, right? You have certainly the information warfare, disinformation category of deviant or criminal activity. And that one scares me a lot because when we talk about information warfare and we see what has, who has applied this type of, these types of technologies to create misinformation campaigns, we see some people and some entities with very, very deep pockets. That means they have access to the latest and greatest tools and the people that know how to use them. So we've seen the Chinese and the Russians use deep fake technologies to create very convincing profiles on social media to spread misinformation. And that's only going to be a, a bigger and bigger concern for us as we, as we go forward. Cyber stalking, online harassment, cyber bullying area of criminal activity. We've certainly seen deep fakes used in this, in this area. And, you know, as I began my discussion talking about this as not a new area when we've seen, you know, Photoshop and, uh, you know, Garage uh, GarageBand or Audacity used to cut up media and and create synthetic or fake content. In the past, we're, we're talking about, you know, primarily it being used for online harassment. I'm not surprised at all that we saw this case recently in Bucks County where, the cyber stalking or online harassment charges were were levied against this woman who, this adult woman who tried to paint these teenage females in a negative light and essentially harm their reputation all over, you know, cheerleading squad sort of uh, rivalry. We're seeing, uh, or, you know, this area is ripe for exploitation when it comes to criminal impersonation or identity theft. Identity theft, if you look at state statutes, for example, criminal impersonation doesn't always involve what we think of as traditional identity theft. 
using someone else's credit card, getting someone else's uh, credit in their name. It's impersonation. It also includes impersonation, impersonating someone and deriving some sort of benefit. So deep fakes certainly are applicable here. The sextortion area or extortion with the sexual theme or pornographic theme to it is certainly an area we've seen deep fakes as well as the older technologies applied to create synthetic content. We've certainly seen them uh, used in that area. For the listeners who might not be familiar with the term sextortion, the other word to describe it is revenge porn, right? So we're seeing, you know, people's people being people's likeness and um, being used in situations where where uh, they're they're imposed in pornographic content, right? And then that's thrown out there to embarrass to uh, to discredit uh, the individual. And then we also have concerns on the child pornography, computer-based child exploitation area, right? Whether it's it's you know put out there for consumption uh, among people that are interested in this type of material, whether it's used in the seduction process, there, there's certainly an area that in that, that particular area is ripe for exploitation. Uh, by these by these tools. How much does just the idea of these programs existing, how much of a problem is this causing in the realm of conspiracy theories? Because I ask, I don't know the specifics. I didn't dig down deep into the rabbit hole, but I know there was a recent Joe Biden came to microphones and there was a lot of talk. No, that's a green screen. Look at the way that microphone moved. And you know, people trying to point out all these things that obviously weren't true, but how much just does the presence of knowing that this is possible help to create uh, doubt in people who want to see doubt? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, that that's certainly an area we're just now touching on, right, as a, as, you know, academics, right, people that are doing research in this area are starting to look at some of the uh, social as well as behavioral concerns with these types of disinformation, using these types of tools for launching disinformation campaigns, right? So, you know, I think the answer in terms of the extent to which this will pose a uh, danger to society is still as, is still unknown. You know, we're, we're coming to the point where people are saying, can we really trust this information, right? I think that you know, the, the answer to that question, it's not an easy answer. What I tell people is check your sources, use reliable sources, go for a consensus approach, especially if we're talking about synthetic content that's text-based, right? We've seen a few examples where these um, deep fake profiles that are out there on the web putting up uh, fake news stories, those fake news stories making it into the uh, traditional media uh, channels, right? Those other media outlets that are bonafide picking up those those stories. And it takes a while before someone discerns it's, it's actually a, a, a fake story. So we're certainly going to have those challenges. I'll, I'll, I'll reverse that sort of scenario that you're talking about and reference what we call the liar's dividend. That's a, a, a saying that really amounts to giving individuals cover, deepfakes giving individuals cover for hiding 
true misdeeds, right? So someone saying, you know, someone being caught, someone's uh, misdeeds or someone's uh, wrongdoings, whether they're criminal or just plain old deviant, non non criminal deviants, coming to light, and them blaming it on a deep fake, saying that's not real, that's fictitious. Mm-hmm. Look, we can do this. It's it's done on a daily basis, right? So you know we have two sides that to have to worry about. We have to worry about this creating a scapegoat for people or an avenue of escape for people that are engaging in deviance and and, and criminal activity, using the deep fake as the excuse, and us having this challenge of discerning what's true or not, as well as on the opposite side of the coin recognizing or really coming to some sort of efficient way to discern what we're looking at, what we're reading, is that real or not? It's, 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 it's certainly a challenge. There are a few other challenges that I think are important to bring up. Where's the law on this, right? That's an area of, of, that I think is, is particularly challenging at this point. We're making progress, though we still don't have adequate protections against deep fake technologies. And just let's use this extortion example and the, the revenge porn example. Most, uh, most states you'll find, most states criminalize revenge porn, purposely putting up content on the web without, uh, that's, that's sort of pornographic in nature on a former intimate or someone you have access to naked images or, 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 sim- or videos or pictures of someone engaging in a sex act and putting it out there for public uh, display and public consumption for the purposes of embarrassing the ex-boyfriend, the ex-girlfriend, the ex-spouse. That's criminal in most jurisdictions. Though when you enter into the equation, deepfakes, synthetic content, most state statutes don't cover that, right? So the content needs to be real. So that's an example of some challenges that uh, exist with current law and the legal landscape. The 2021 U.S. National Defense Authorization Act put in place a mandate for the U.S. Department of, of Homeland Security to actually investigate deepfake, the deepfake phenomenon, right? And to do it on an annual basis. So they, they're, they're, they're charged with conducting an annual assessment to look at how deepfakes are being used, for malicious purposes, whether it's, you know, and, and given it's Homeland Security, you can assume there's a, you know, slant on information warfare, disinformation campaigns by foreign actors. But they're, they're, they're charged with looking at the problem, looking at the landscape with respect to what countermeasures and what detection methods are available and looking at the technologies, advances in technologies to create these, you know, this type of fictitious or, or fake content. And I think that certainly speaks to your, your concern earlier, bringing up the, the, the constant battle, right? The, the war between, you know, the techniques and the detection methods. And, every, you know, when the techniques get better, when the detection methods get better, the techniques get better, right? There are quick countermeasures that these tool creators put in place to combat or to defeat 
the countermeasures or the detection uh, technologies. But Homeland Security will do an annual assessment. And my assumption is that these assessments will be used to advance the legal landscape to provide protections to uh, consumers and entities that fall victim to these types of, of, of uh, the, to this type of technology. I got to be honest, when we're starting this conversation, my biggest concern when I considered this concept was somebody putting a video of the president declaring war that obviously wasn't true, or a senator admitting to something that obviously wasn't true, on more of a grand scale. What, With what you know about this realm, what keeps you up more at night? Is it the the big deep fake, something like I just mentioned, or is it the possibility that this could be done to anyone on any level for any reason uh, relatively easily and you could shatter somebody's life by spending 10 minutes in front of a laptop? Yeah, I mean, certainly the the, the scenario of the, the president declaring war or uh, the president uh, the president's words or, or, or someone creating a deep fake with the president uttering words that essentially would be difficult to take back and causing some sort of international conflict. That, that's certainly a, a grave uh, concern. And it's something that worries me uh, to the point where, because we're in such a hyper-partisan sort of environment that uh, we're quickly not going to come be able to come to some sort of consensus on the fact that it was fake. And we're going to have one side always pushing back. And what sort of damage will will, will, will that cause? So that, that I, I think it should be something that we're all concerned about. I don't want to discount the, the other stuff like the sextortion, the online harassment, even just putting fake content out there that's going to ruin someone's reputation that, that doesn't rise to the level of of criminal activity on part of the actor that's putting the content out there. That's that's a concern, right? This this cancel culture uh, that we we find ourselves in right now and, and sort of the wokeness warriors that are out there, they're quick to act, right? And that's that's a that's a big concern that you and I uh, should be should should it should bother us, right? People are unforgiving nowadays, right? They're so quick to act and point fingers and 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 come to judgment in this this cancel culture that if a, uh, if someone wants to harass you and do damage to your reputation, you know how quick is it before the calls to come and fire you from your job? They're they're almost it's almost instantaneous without giving you the proper time to defend yourself and without the facts, take the time that's necessary for the facts to come forward for us to discern whether this is fake content or, 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 or whether it's, it's real. So, you know, that, that's an area that, you know, I think that that's likely going to touch all of us in some way, shape or form as we, you know, sit in a society where we have these people you know, as as I refer to them as these wokeness warriors or, you know, the, the wokerati, how they're they're so quick to judge and and come up with their conclusion. And then that's it. No one's going to change their mind. And we don't live in that world anymore, given the entree and the the availability of deep fake technology and for the average person to be able to do it and to do it convincingly. When I say do it, meaning create this synthetic content that puts someone 
in a scenario, whether it's visual, whether uh, whether it's a still picture, whether it's audio, whether it's video, whether it's 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 words, the individual, the target of the the, the deep fake did not utter, or the person didn't wasn't in that particular scene, right? They didn't say those words, they didn't do that action, but yet the computer tells us differently. The audio file, the video file tells us differently. And that's really where we need to be. The average person, I think, needs to, to be concerned. People like the president, the vice president, we have, unfortunately, we have people dedicated to, unfortunately, we have to do this. We have people dedicated to monitoring the public sort of discourse and the public information that's put out there. So I would hope that any sort of deep fake that's out there uh, is caught quickly if we're talking about some sort of you know, national politician or even a local politician. But um, so, so the voices can, you know, begin to tell people that this didn't really happen. But it's, it's, it's a problem that we're going to have to face in, in increasingly. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 